Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Praise God. (laughs) Those are cute dogs. (laughs) I would love to have a dog, but I travel too much. And uh, Pastor Rick won't let me. (laughs) Anyway, are you ready for the word today? Um, We are going to uh, wait and continue our series on the Holy Spirit next week when Pastor Rick is here. He didn't want me to do it without him. I don't think he thinks I can do it without him, you know, so... Anyway, no. Um, Actually, I am going to be talking about something today that's obviously dear to my heart, as you will know in a minute. And um, but I'm going to start the message today with a drama, and the message is called "Why." Hello, everyone, and welcome to this is my church, where I'm the host and you're not, where I make the rules and you don't. Now we're going to play my favorite game, True or False. And joining me today is contestant number one. (laughs) That's me. I'm number one. (laughs) Contestant number two. That's you. Oh, oh, I'm contestant two. Hi. And contestant number four. Hi, everyone. What happened to number three? Uh, I believe they're live streaming. Oh, time change. Couldn't make it. It'll get you. It'll get you. Every time. Oh, yeah. We'll start with contestant number one. Okay. All right. True or false, the best reason to bring your children to church is to get a break from them. (laughs) I'm going to lock this one down pretty quick. That's a big true. Good answer. Good answer. No, 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 no. That's that's false. False. False? That can't be false. Don't ask any parent out here. I got one hour, 44 minutes, 33.6 seconds where my kids are pulling someone else's hair out. (laughs) If it wasn't for Children's Church, I wouldn't be here. I'm just saying. I'm just being honest. All right, let's let's try contestant number two. I think you'll do better on this one. All right. All right, true or false, the best reason to come to church is to hang out with your friends. Oh, that's easy. Give me a hard one next time. Easy, breezy, lemon, squeezy. It's true. Oh, no. No, no, no. That's also false. What? That's false. What? What? I work 12-hour days. I could be sleeping in right now, but instead, I choose to come here and see how everyone is doing, making sure everyone is okay. <laughs> because I care. Oh, that's, that's my boy. That's my boy. All right, all right, contestant four, this one's for you, this one's for you. All right, what is a good reason to come to church? Hey, that's not a true or false question. Sure it is. That's not fair, they didn't have to come up with an answer. Listen, this is my show, okay? I get to make the rules, all right? So what is a good reason to come to church? Go for it. You got this, Um, uh... Your answer, uh, please. mm. I'd take oh. all the time you need. <laughs> My kids are still in children's church. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, I got it. To sing in the choir. False. That's false. Hey, that is why I come to church. 
I like to sing. I'm afraid that's the wrong reason to come to church. You can't judge my reasons. Well, sure I can. This is my church. <sighs> now, final question, and this one is for all the marbles. Marbles? We're playing for marbles? What else you got? It's just marbles. I'm sorry. What am I going to do with marbles? I'm a grown man. I know I don't act like it, but a grown man, what am I going to do with marbles? Just, just give them to his kids. What, so they can choke? Hey, oh. if you don't want the marbles, I'll take the marbles. Well, you can have the marbles. What are you going to do with marbles? Hold on, hold on. Final question. And now it's a toss-up. So if you know the answer, feel free to just jump right in. Oh, I got this. All right, true or false? Some Christians come to church just to satisfy their flesh. Go ahead. False! 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 We got it! We got it! We got it! Yeah! We got it! We got it! That's, that's true. That one's true. What? That's no, true. No, 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 no. That's true. You're no, making this up no, as you go. No, no, uh, no. I'm afraid no. it is. I'm afraid no. it's true. You, you come to church for fear of missing out. <laughs> FOMO. <laughs> fear of missing out. FOMO. What? Uh. <laughs> and you, you come to church just to feel good about yourself. I don't like this game. Next time, next time we'll just play the game show. False or false, welcome to my show. I'm some kind of host or something where there's no truth. Oh, you can't handle that truth. Then you can't handle your kids. Uh, that's true. True. All right, that's all the time we have. Thanks for tuning in and getting your time in. Look some people, pick up your kids. And thanks for coming in. Good job. Why did you come to church today? That's the question. And um, some people come to church, they like the music, you know, that makes them feel good when they come to church. They hear a good, encouraging message. Some people, they do come because of their friends. Their friends are here, so they come. You know, some come because they have to, because they're an usher and they're on duty. Um, or maybe they're in the music ministry or they like to sing. Um, some because maybe they're having problems and they feel like it'll give them some hope or some answers to their problems. And, uh, you know, some come because they think if I come to church, then I'll, I'll get to heaven. And uh, so everybody has different reasons why they do things. And um, we always have to ask ourselves the question, why? Why? Why am I doing this? Why am I coming here? Why did you come to church today? And there really is only one right answer. And um, because if you, don't, if you don't have the right reason, then you won't last. And you'll always be in conflict. Or things will be good for a while, but then when something happens, you know, you get disillusioned or maybe you don't want to come anymore because, you know, it doesn't, make, it doesn't meet that need anymore or whatever. And so we need to understand why do we do what we do? And if you came to church today, there should only be one real reason why you came here or to any church that is preaching the gospel. And that is because of what Jesus Christ did for you at the cross. Because you were fallen from, your fallen man had sin nature and you needed salvation. You needed hope, and God gave you that hope through the work of the cross, and he reconciled you to God. And so because of that, you're now a child of God. And you should show up here because of what he did for you. 
so that you can be empowered to live the life that he's called you to the rest of the time. That's why you should be here. That's the right answer. Now, sometimes as a church, we do lots of things to get people to come here. You know, like we, we have, you know, some forms of entertainment to keep people's interest because people have short attention spans. Nobody here, right? Um, or we do, you know, we, we, we do a lot of things because Jesus said to be fishers of men. Well, fishermen use bait. So you have to do things to get people here. And sometimes, you know, people come here because they like things here. But you can't stay here just because you like those things. You need to stay here because of the message of why we even exist as a church. Because if it wasn't for the cross, if it wasn't for the complete work of redemption that God provided for us, we have no reason to be here. We have no reason to exist as a church. And so we need to know the why. And we need to make the why the foundation. Because if it's not the foundation of why you came and why you live, then you're on the wrong foundation. And if you're on the wrong foundation, you're going to fall. And you're going to get led astray. You know, I recently saw a movie, um, and it's still at the show, I believe. And it's not, there's some things in the movie I don't recommend. It's not a really bad movie, but there's just, you know, drinking and things like that in it. But um, in the movie, it was called The Greatest Showman. I don't know if any of you saw it. But uh, it's a... It's a story, it's a musical, and it's a story about P.T. Barnum. I don't know how true it was to his life, but, uh, you know, there was a lot of truth in it. And, but in, uh, P.T. Barnum is the person that started the circus back in 18-something. And if you know his story, he was, you know, uh, I think he was orphaned when he was young, and he was living in the street, but he had fallen in love with a, uh, a girl who was well-to-do, and they kept in touch, and so he ended up marrying her, and he wanted to give her a good life. And that's, that was his motive. His motive was, you know, he wanted to give her the life she deserved. And so, you know, throughout uh, his time, uh, he, he came up with the whole circus idea because he had lost his job. And so he, he started it through a prog- progress of things. He started the circus. And he ended up over time becoming very famous and rich and, you know, well, uh, you know, he succeeded. And, and he started doing things. But then over the course of time in doing that, he lost his reason for doing it. And he ended up getting caught up in the money and the fame and, you know, his motives changed and he started, you know, doing it for the wrong reasons. And that can happen to any of us. You know, it, we often do things and start things right and we end up getting sidetracked. And so at one point, you know, if you saw the movie, you know, his wife leaves and, and he's, you know, he reaches rock bottom because he loses everything. And, and, um, and, he's, and there was a scene in the movie, which was really good, and it, it, he came to that place, and, and he started getting encouraged by some of the people that he had helped in the circus. And, and then all of a sudden, he, remember, he picked up a picture, and he said, I forgot why I was doing this in the first place. And the picture was his wife and children. And he said, and there was a song through all that. It's a musical, so there's a song, and it says, from now on. In other words, I'm getting back to the right reason for what I do and why I do it. And we need to ask ourselves as Christians, you know, as as children of God, why? Why do we serve God? Why are we here? Why do we come to church? You know, why do we do what we do? And it's important that we know that because Jesus is our foundation. And we need to stay on the foundation. We need to stay and be able to answer the question every day and have the right answer. Not just why we come to church, but why we live our lives. 
you know, why we do what we do, because we're to incorporate God into every part of our lives, and that's what he wants for us. He wants to have a relationship with him. He wants us to be a part of everything we do, and he doesn't want us just here on Sunday to know him or acknowledge him, but he wants us to acknowledge him in all of our ways. The Bible says, acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your steps. Now, when you really think about that, that's amazing, because God is God, you know, like, think about who God is and all that he's created and all that I mean everything about you he created and he created everything that exists and you get to be in relationship with him and you get to tap into his heart and his mind and his will for your life and he will bring you to and cause you to do things that you could never have done on your own we can live a normal life like any other human being or we can live a supernatural life We can live a life of victory and overcoming and live above circumstances and above the things of this world and above even when things happen or things get thrown at us. We can have victory in those things and not defeat. And and we have the power God has given us to live. But the greatest thing is this life isn't why we live. We're not here for this life. We're here for eternal life. We're here for the life to come. We're here for the future, for what God... This life is so short. You know, you don't, it is so short. Whether you live, you know, 70 years, 100 years, whether you live 50 years, it doesn't matter what you're going to, I mean, it matters obviously for you want to go in your time, but the point is you're going to go. And eternity is a lot longer. It's a lot longer than the time we have here. And yet so often we get caught up in so much of this life. Jesus gave a parable in the Bible, and it was the parable of the sower and the seed. And, um... He called us to something. He said, I am going to put a seed in you. There's a seed. The word of God is a seed. God's word is the seed. Now, remember, Jesus is the living word. You know, Jesus is the word of God. It's not just the written word. It's the written word and the living word. It's the word of God that's alive and powerful. And that word is there, and it's sown out. And the Bible says there's four different Uh, grounds that it's sown on. One is by the wayside, meaning the seed doesn't even do anything. It just blows away. And those are people that hear the word of God and don't receive it at all. They don't want anything to do with it. But then there's people where it says it's rocky soil, where that seed is sown in their hearts, but there's a lot of rocks there, and and so it prevents the seed from producing much. And, And Jesus referred to that rocky soil as the the persecution or offenses that come because you're a Christian. And so a lot of people, you know, they might come down, get baptized, give their hearts to the Lord, but then, you know, they go out there and they tell somebody and that person makes fun of them or, you know, attacks them for some way or just puts them down and then they don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. But then there's people that they receive it in thorny ground. And so the fruit does start to come and they do a little better, but over time, they forget why they're doing it. And the cares of the world and riches and distractions and other things come along and they end up beginning to live for those things rather than for the Lord. And they get caught up and distracted in the things of this world and they don't produce fruit. And I believe the thorny ground is where a lot of people in the church are. I know in my own life that's something I sometimes struggle with. Where I can get caught up in what's going on in my life or what's going on around me, and I can move away. I'm still serving God in my way, but not the way he wants. And that can happen to all of us. And we go through seasons like that, where we can move from our foundation. 
When I was down at the PCCNA a few weeks ago, which is the uh, Pentecostal Charismatic Churches of North America, where they have the leaders of various uh, organizations, uh, like denominations and ministries, and we get invited because we're over op open Bible. And, um, and so you have major denominational. Some of them are over thousands and thousands of churches, and, and there's all different people there and um, we kind of network together and we talk about you know the things of God and where we see God taking the church and when we went this year the biggest thing they all said that they see that the church needs to do more than anything and uh, is that we need to get centered more on the cross because the church in North America has moved from the foundation of the cross in many cases and we need to get back to prayer which is what Jesus said we're to be temples of prayer. And um, or my, he said my house would be a house of prayer. And so I, I was glad when I heard those things because I felt like I think we're working on those things. You know, those are things that we, have, we try to keep focused on in our church. And I had just finished and sent off to the publishers my devotional that is going to be coming out in a few months because um, it's going to take a few months for the publishing to be, all be done. But it's called How to Live, uh, 101 Reasons to Live a Cross-Centered Life. And so... Living a cross-centered life, what that means is it means we're sticking to our foundation. We're living a life involved, uh, revolved, revolving around why we're here, why we're saved, why, you know, we serve God. And it's all because of what he's done for the cross. And what that means is we have to recognize we can't do life without God. We can't save ourselves. We can't, you know, and, and you know, you might wonder, like, I'm really excited about the movie, The uh, the Paul the Apostle uh, when it comes out because when you look at his life and how the transformation that happened and how he didn't care what anybody thought about him he didn't care what he had to go through he was just willing to do anything to preach the message of the cross and and he he got the revelation and he understood why he was doing what he was doing he understood the truth. And all the apostles, they were able to drop everything. No matter what they were doing, they were able to drop everything and just run with the, the gospel. Because they had the revelation and the understanding of what God did for them. You see, you got to understand in the Jewish community, uh, back then, the Jews, they knew God existed. But he was always on the outside. He was always something they could never reach, never attain to. They, they had to have animal sacrifices. And only the high priest could go in once a year to the Holy of Holies and, and approach God. And even then, he had to make sure everything was right or he would die. And, and there were times in the Old Testament where God would visit people or he would come on people temporarily but he never lived in people and now because of the finished work of the cross every sin you've ever done or will do is paid in full it is accomplished so that God can live in you and through you and you can be one with him and you are a child of God and you're an ambassador of God and you're a new creature in Christ and you can do all things in Christ and you have the power of God in you and you're able to live above and beyond this world and this life and what this life has. And the apostles... The disciples of Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul, when they got that revelation and they knew it was true, it changed everything about them. And sometimes I wonder if everybody that comes to church and even some people that think they're saved are really saved. Because a lot of times people think if I just say a prayer, I'm right with God. You know, ask Jesus into my heart, he comes in, I'm going to go to heaven. But it doesn't say if you ask Jesus in your heart, you're going to go to heaven. 
What it says is if you surrender your life to Jesus, meaning you make him the Lord of your life, you turn from your old life, you turn from your sin, and live a new life in Christ, being born again of the Spirit of God. And sometimes you can tell if people are born again by the Spirit of God by how they live their lives or want to live their lives. When I first became a Christian, you know, before I was saved, in my teenage years, and I got saved when I was 18, and I lived a, pretty, a few pretty wild years where I was involved in drugs, and, you know, I was a hippie in the 60s. And, um, you know, there were certain things I thought were okay. I thought living common law was okay. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Partly because my mother was married and divorced five times, or four times, and she even taught me, live with somebody before you marry them. And, <laughs> and so I had that theology. I had that belief system. I didn't think there was anything wrong with doing drugs. I didn't think there was anything wrong with a lot of things I did that were wrong. But as soon as I became born again and truly received the Spirit of God, the very first thing that the Holy Spirit convicted me of was living common law. Now, I wasn't even living with someone at the time, but the theology or the belief of that, I knew right away was wrong. That's not what God, how God designed our relationships to be. Now, I know there may be people here living common law, and I understand people come in the church, and maybe they've been living with someone for years, or they have kids, or bought a home, and all of that, and I know it's hard, and I know it's complicated, but the thing is, this is the difference, is if you believe, i got to get this right, and I'll work towards getting it right, as opposed to somebody that says, who cares, I'm going to live this way anyway, it doesn't matter. There's a difference. And I know this is a mess-up world, and there's so many problems. And, um, but when you truly have the Spirit of God, you want to be like him. You want to, you want to be his child and live a righteous life. Because he is righteous. He hates sin. He wants us to get our lives right. And he'll help us do that. We just need to move in that direction. And he loves us. He, he's not a hard taskmaster. He won't make it impossible. He'll make it possible. And he'll show you what to do. Sometimes there's a cost. You know, sometimes we do have to pay a cost. The second thing he showed me right away was, it was just a few days after I was a Christian, I was with some old friends and they were starting to smoke up some pot and I joined in. But instantly, I felt conviction. And I knew I don't ever want to do this again. I knew it was wrong. See, when you have the Spirit of God operating in you, and you truly surrender to God and turn from your sin, you'll have conviction of sin. Not to be condemned, but you can call on God and he'll help you. And he'll deliver you. And it doesn't matter what you do. See, we have to be in love with Jesus. And I know men don't like hearing that, like being in love with Jesus. Um, what does that mean, you know? And... Uh, <laughs> You know, guys don't like the idea of being in love with another guy. And, um, but it means this. Like this morning, you know, I came here and I was running a little bit late due to a series of circumstances. And, um, but I, I was here and uh, my usher, Sue Wilcox, was here. But before I left the house, I got a text from Sue and she said, I'm going to run by Tim Hortons. Do you want me to pick you up a steep tea? She knows I like steep tea. So I text her back, yeah, <laughs> that'd be awesome. And that was very thoughtful of her to do that. 
I got here, and of course, Pastor Rick wasn't here, and Brian, her, his usher was outside his office. I guess he didn't realize he wasn't going to be here, but then he jumped over to my office. Is there anything I can do for you? You know, he wanted to serve, and then one of the other ushers came up, wanted to serve, and see, guys, when you love God, you want to serve, right? You honor, and you respect, and you want to do something, and I'm going to tell you what God's going to tell you to do, because when you show up with God, and in his presence, and you say, God, I want to serve you. I want to do something for you. You know what he's going to tell you? If you're married, he's going to tell you first, love your wife. He's going to tell wives to honor and respect their husbands. He's going to tell you to love your kids. He's going to tell you to be a blessing to others because you, you are called to show up for service. That's how you love God. You show up for service. You say, I belong to you. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to do what you want me to do. And I appreciate our ushers, that they do come here for ready for service, and they are serving God by serving us. And anybody that does anything in the church, if they're doing it for the church, if they're doing it for the right reasons, they're serving God. Sometimes we can do the right things, but if our heart's wrong, we may not get the benefits, and we'll only do it as long as it makes us feel good. Because we're not doing it for, for God. We're doing it for ourselves. And so we got to look at that. So the Apostle Paul, he, in Ephesians 3.19, he says this, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Just think about that. We need to understand. We need to experience the love of God. Well, how do you do that? Through living a cross-centered life, because the cross forever speaks of God's love for you. It's always there to tell you how much he loves you, how much he would go through. We sang that song, uh, reckless love this morning and how he'd leave the 99 to go after you that he'd stop at nothing well look at what he did at the cross he stopped at nothing to show you how valuable you are to him how much he loves you and yes God loves everybody but that doesn't mean he is in everybody it just means he is willing to be in everybody because he loves everybody and so living a cross-centered life means that we are constantly being aware and focused on the foundation of our faith and on the work and the love and what God has done for us so that we could be right with him and that we can show up every day ready to do what he wants us to do instead of living just for ourselves like people in the world do and so we got to we got to understand this and then he goes on then you will be made complete so once you understand the more you understand fully the love of God and you can only understand fully the love of God by focusing on the cross it says then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God so as you do that, the more you understand God's love, the more you understand who he is and his heart and what he did for you and how much he wants to be a part of your life and have a relationship with you and how far, you know, he went to have that. And the more you get that and the more you have understanding of that, then the more you will want to show up and do what he wants and surrender to him and it'll be easy to stop all the other things so often we get caught up in our sin and our addiction and we're so focused on that you know I always learned there's uh, the best way to stop doing something is focus on something else and and when you begin to focus on him and focus on his love for you and focus on his word and focus on what he wants you to do and begin to do those things the other things will no longer be desirable to you they'll fall away but sometimes we're just so caught up and I'm trying to stop this. I'm trying to change this. I'm trying to do this. And we're so focused on that, that, that we keep going to it because we're not looking at 
where we should be. And it's easy when we understand it, how it works. See, it's not about, um, we can never, ever be good enough for God on our own strength or our own ability. There's nothing you can do to get right with God on your own. He did it completely. He paid it in full. It's like if you go to court, how many have ever paid off a debt? And then they give you the notice, the debt's paid for. Do they still ask you for money? No. No. They don't ask you for money. They don't keep after you to pay the debt because it's already done. It's already a done deal. And, and if, you, if you were charged with a crime and then you were tried and you were, you know, declared innocent, do they retry you every day and keep telling you, you got to pay, you got to pay, you got to pay? No. God says, whatever you've done, I put it all on my son. I paid the price in full. You are completely debt-free to me. I took it all. So your good works will not get you right with God. However, when you understand and get revelation of the love of God and you get in that relationship with God where you begin to see who you are, then you will automatically do good works, not because to try and get right with God, because that's who you now are. You're a child of God. You're an ambassador of Christ. You're a high priest for the kingdom of God. You're a light in the darkness. The old man has died and the new, life, new man has come. You are raised up to new life. You are no longer that old person. I am not the person I was back in the 60s. I don't think like that person. I don't act like that person. I don't want to have anything to do with that person. That's not me anymore. And so what I do, or what you do as a believer, you do because of who you now are. It's who you are to do good works. That's just who you are. Because you show up for service with God. And, and he shows you to love people and to be a blessing and to do good works. And so you're not doing it to get right. You're doing it because that's who you are. And if that's not who you are, then your relationship is not on the foundation. You're not seeing who you are. You're not seeing God's love. Amen? And you're not understanding it. And so we have to understand how much God cares and appreciate all the things that he has. So we need to know who we are. And God is more than glad to tell us who we are as a child of God. He's more than glad to show us that you're, you're my son. You're my daughter. And, and this, this is who you are. You know, and, uh, you know, I have children. I don't, is Jamie here in the service? She phoned me in the middle of the first service. Okay, I don't think she's in here. Um, she did that by mistake, apparently. <laughs> I was up here preaching, and my phone started ringing. And I looked, it was Jamie. And I'm thinking, what is she calling me for in the middle of my message? thought maybe she wanted to say something about what I was saying. I don't know. But um, anyway, but if I have a child, when we have children, they're your children. They'll always be your children. It doesn't matter. You're, you're going to love them. You're going to care about them. You're, gonna, you're never going to give up on them. They may go astray. They may mess up. But they're your children. And God feels that way about us even more than we do our own children. We've got to get that revelation of who our father is. And how much he cares for us. And sometimes we think because something happened to us or we go through some trial or we go through some bad circumstances, we think, well, you know, if God really loves me, why did he let that happen? Well, he went to the cross for you. Isn't that enough? 
Doesn't that prove anything? We still live in a fallen world. And things happen. And unfortunately, there's still a curse. And sometimes, you know, things happen. And, and God always, no matter what, if we go to him and trust him, he'll bring us through the other side. And he'll make what the devil means for evil and turn it around for good. And sometimes tragic things do happen. They just do. We don't understand all the time why, you know, we, it's not our business sometimes. We don't know always the big picture. You know, we just lost a beautiful woman of God here, Lynn Sales, this week. And she fought the fight. She fought the fight. But she's in a good place. She's in a much better place, you know. And it's tough sometimes, you know, when you see people and uh, go through things. And it's tragic sometimes. But you know what? We're not here for this world. We're here for eternity. And if we keep our focus on the big picture and it, we keep our focus on eternity, it makes what we go through in this life easier. Not that we can't fight and use our faith and overcome. We need to do those things. But, and we don't always understand why, you know, some people might get healed and some people, it, it doesn't happen now. But their healing comes, obviously, when they go. But we have to get our focus off circumstances. We have to get our focus off people and what they do or don't do. So many people, you know, they leave churches because, well, I'm not going to church because I saw, you know, sister so-and-so and she was gossiping or she did this or, you know, I know I came to church and I saw that guy down there and I saw him with a prostitute last week. You think that doesn't happen here? And people judge God because their eyes are on people and not what he did. And any of us can do that. I can get discouraged and disillusioned with the church and the way some people act. We saw the little bickering going on up here. That does happen in church. <laughs> it happens. And if I focus on that kind of stuff, I, I wouldn't want to be here. But that's not why I come. I'm on the foundation. And I want to stay on the foundation. I want to keep centered on the cross. God has given us the mind of Christ. He's given us everything we need to live this life. He's given us an ability to tap into his very thoughts and his mind and his heart. We have the ability to do that, but we have to get our focus off the world and onto him in order to hear and see his voice and hear what God has to say and see what he wants to do in our lives. See, he turns death into life. He, give, he, 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 gives to, he turns defeat into victory. He turns tor turmoil into peace and hate into love and fear into faith and, and selfishness into unselfishness and guilt to righteousness and weakness to strength and hopelessness to hope. No matter what it is, when we go to the cross, there's a transfer. Whatever is going on in your life, there's a transfer that can take place. You can give him your hopelessness and he gives you his hope. You can give him your fear, and he gives you his faith. We can make that exchange. See, the cross is the altar. The altar is the place of sacrifice. And we have to understand that when we go to the altar, we can make the exchange. That's why we need to, we need to know. Every, see, the cross 
reveals to us the heart of God. It reveals to us everything that God did for us. It reveals to us power over darkness and, and love over hate and all of the things we need to, to have, faith over fear. Everything Jesus did, he, he encapsulated all that God is in his life and death and resurrection. And so when we go there and we really look at that and think about that, it will take what's ever going on in us and align it and change our perspective. That's what it'll do. Because Jesus is the living word. We need the written word and we need the living, like the, you know, Jesus fulfilled the written word. He is the living word of God. And when we see him, we see the heart of God and we see what God can do and will do in Christ. And that's what we want in our lives. And then we can answer the reason why. See, every day the reason why is because I do this because of what my Lord and Savior did for me. Not because so-and-so is going to be there or I get to do this. It's not the reason. God is calling the church to its foundation, to why we're here. Billy Graham, who just passed away, taught this all the time and he was grieved in his latter years because so much of the church had moved from the cross and the message of our the message of our faith christianity is built on the cross period and according to the word of god there's no other way to god to be reconciled to god and i know that might not be politically correct but it's the truth and jesus said it was the truth god's word says it's the truth and I'm not going to base my belief on what's politi politically correct. I'm going to base it on God's word and what he did for me. I love that other song they, say this they, uh, they sang this morning. I'm never going to stop, never going to stop, never going to stop. And, and I was singing that song and I said, I'm never going to stop talking about the cross. I'm never going to stop talking about what Jesus did. I'm never going to stop sharing the truth of the gospel. I'm not going to stop. It doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter if I get in trouble for saying it. I'm going to say it. I'm not going to stop. And that's how we all need to be. That's how we all need to be. We need to make a stand. And you know what? I, I said that if people get offended by the cross, they don't belong here. That's the truth. Because that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Let's all stand up. Father, we just thank you for truth. Jesus told Pontius Pilate he came to reveal the truth. He is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he said no one can come to the Father but by him. And God, you wouldn't have allowed your son to lay down his life and be tortured and sacrificed for us if there was another way. And so, Father, we take this bread with gratitude. Help us to search our hearts this morning and ask ourselves why. Why we are here. Why we are living our lives. Do we show up for duty with you every day in our homes, in the workplace? in our relationships, and in our church. Father, help us to be honest with ourselves and reveal to us the motives of our heart and to stay on the foundation of our faith, which is in the complete work of the cross of Christ. 
the suffering, the death, the resurrection, all the promises that have been bestowed to us because of it. So, Father, we take this bread with gratitude and thanksgiving for the Son of God laying down his life to reconcile us and stamp on our lives not guilty. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. And Lord, we thank you for the blood that was spilt for us. Lord, there's life in the blood, and now we've been adopted into your family as your children, and now the blood of Christ is over our lives. And when you see us, you don't see our guilt and shame and our sin, but you see the blood, because we are covered in the blood. And it's because of the blood we've been empowered to live a life that we can't live on our own. We will miss it every day of our lives. And yet, Father, when we go to you and we cling to you, we know that we're righteous and holy in you. We can't look at ourselves or be discouraged by our own weakness, but empowered by your strength. So thank you for the blood, because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And it doesn't matter what we're struggling with, Father. You will give us the power and the strength to overcome when we get our focus on you. So, Father, we take this cup and ask you to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and fill us, Lord, with a new joy and a new hope and a desire to serve you and show up for duty and honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.